Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor four-part podcast series on ESG investing, brought to you by Royal London. This episode of the podcast looks at the outlook for responsible investing in the world after the pandemic. I'm David Thorpe, Special Projects Editor at FT Advisor. I'm joined to discuss this topic by Lorna Blythe, Head of Investment Solutions at Royal London, and by Adrian Lowcock, Head of Personal Investing at Willis Owen. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Hello. Hello. A feature of the severe market sell-off that investors witnessed in March was that responsible investing funds generally performed better than those more traditional fund products. Lorna, why do you think this was? Yeah, so we did see that, um, and, and actually Morningstar's got some good data to show that um, you know in March, 62% of ESG-focused large-cap equity funds outperformed global passives. If I look at our own fund range, um, we have a set of sustainable funds which focus on companies that have a positive net benefit to society, and they have generally outperformed our broader multi-asset range year-to-date. So I think that there are a few reasons for this. Um, the first is that you know most ESG-focused funds are, are, are typically a bit more concentrated, exposure to a, a more a narrower range of sectors and more traditional funds. Um, so, for example, that they're likely to have less exposure, if any, to things like fossil fuels, airlines, uh, you know, both sectors which were hit quite hard due to obviously lower demand for travel and energy. Uh, and in contrast, um, typically these funds have had higher exposure to the growth sectors such as you know tech pharma, again, both sectors which did relatively well during the sell-off. So I think these funds have been positioned well, either as a result of some of their criteria, whether that's you know their exclusion criteria or sometimes their positive inclusion criteria, which meant that generally they were less exposed to areas of the market which were hit hardest through the sell-off. And I think there's another reason for that as well, and that is these funds with a, with a strong ESG focus will typically invest in companies which have strong environmental, social strategies in place and are typically well governed. And there's lots of evidence that says that companies that have that in place are managed more efficiently and can respond better through good and bad times. So I think that you know broadly, that's also helped to support performance of these funds uh, through this crisis. Thank you, Adrian. What are your what are your thoughts on that? Was it a uh... Was was it um, as simple as you know the oil price fell off a cliff and airlines um, basically didn't have a business, or or are there more reasons than that? Uh, yeah, I mean I think we've got to start with the oil price. It it, it collapsed, um, and you know if you don't hold the oil sector, um, and with that some you know some some of the more wider mining stuff as well, um, then you will have benefited. And likewise, particularly things like airlines. Um, but I do, I, I do think there's a bit more to it than that. This was a particularly humanitarian crisis, whereas other recessions or uh, events that hit markets don't necessarily have this humanitarian angle, and that that has led to a, a sort of behavioural shift. And we saw it, you know, companies that were um, testing the boundaries of quarantine and the rules that were being put in place were, weren't particularly well regarded in the marketplace. Um, one example was, you know, initially Sports Direct tried to look for loopholes in the rules and the share price got um, hit for that. Um, so the market did respond to that humanitarian thing. And I think speaking to the E, the e in the ESG, uh, sorry, the, the G in the ESG uh, element, you know, good governance and, and strong management 
um, was reflected in in how they responded to the crisis and where companies perhaps helped and, and stepped forward to help, uh, they were um, rewarded for it and, and uh, recognized for that in the marketplace. So I think that humanitarian element also came into play in the markets as well. Thank you. And Adrian, to take that team on a little bit further, and there has been much talk and speculation and conjecture about how society will look very different after the pandemic. Do you feel that responsible investment funds are an interesting way to profit from those potential changes? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, as Lorna uh, said, uh, the focus has been uh, very much on the technology and and. There will be change in the workplace. There will be change in uh, consumer behaviours after this crisis. We're still we're already seeing some of those changes. Uh, technology is going to be a big factor in that. Um, but I, I think also that there will be a lot of reflection on how we consume goods. Um, do we need to buy fast-moving fast and uh, short-term fashion trends? I think um, one of the big fashion houses has sort of already announced they're shifting away from seasonal uh, clothing ranges. And looking at sort of maps perhaps twice a year or something as opposed to doing seasonal and that's a big shift in in the fashion industry which has always been about uh, short-term uh, rotation of 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 trends and fashions um i think there'll be there'll be there'll be other areas that are a bit more nuanced i think you know travel industry for example airlines people are sort of saying they may may not fly as much but i think that demand will come back because people like their holidays it's a reward for the hard work they do all year round um uh, they may holiday home a little bit more initially but you know you can't access everything in the world in the uk so i think the travel industry will will bounce back but it might take a few years to do so uh, whilst they adapt to the the new the new way of things thank you lorna adrian touched on the point there about technologies being potentially central to these changes is that is that something that you feel responsible investment funds can can access the great potential for technology to change how we live and maybe the pandemic has sped up uh, the move uh, and the development of those technologies? Yeah, yes, definitely. And we were seeing that, you know, pre-COVID anyway, where, where a lot of, you know, with growth sectors have typically outperformed kind of value sectors over the last few years. And um, so I think that the, the COVID just really accelerates some of that. And um, if you look at even, you know, healthcare and uh, companies such as GlaxoSmithKline that, that develop vaccines and you can see that going forward that they're going to play a much stronger role in society than they have in the past. But I think really there's the two key things to, to consider is how how does these how do these changes translate into investment decisions that the fund managers are making? How are they looking at environmental social governance factors and incorporating that into their, their decision making process and you know that requires due, due diligence really to understand that there's a lot of funds available in this space so i think it's still really important that, that people do their due diligence you know understand the objectives of the funds the processes followed by the fund manager what exclusions there are if any what themes are getting reflected you know in the holdings um, and I think the other part probably is is how does the experience that we've all been through, you know, impact the investment decisions that are getting made by clients, and you know, and and that this is maybe a good opportunity, a kind of catalyst where advisors can start to ask about their client preferences in, in this space, and and you know, and, and obviously from summer next year, regulation is coming in through Mifid to require advisors to start to do that. Um, but it does feel like this is a bit of a catalyst. Um, to start to have those conversations, you know, if, if they're not happening already. Thank you, Lorna. And um, do you feel that um, just as 
company managements are becoming more aware of the the changing world that this is going to percolate down to the end client and that we will actually see from end clients uh, a greater demand for uh, responsible investing funds? Yes. So we were seeing demand anyway. Um, You know, if if I reflect on our own experience in the last kind of year, we've seen a significant increase in the number of questions we're getting on responsible investment or or ESG from from both customers and and from advisors, um, as well as, you know, employers who are looking to understand what options they've got for their schemes. So we were starting to see that demand coming through anyway. And again, I think COVID starts to just accelerate some of that. Um, and some of that is based on a, a, a kind of desire to sort of, you know, reflect values more. Uh, some of it is about understanding company's purpose. Um, I think probably a lot of people are, are much more aware uh, that, that, that their pensions are an investment because um, they've seen the value of them fall uh, quite significantly some, in some cases, you know, over the last few months. Um, so that I think people are starting to understand and connect that much more. Um, you know, we we run a survey every year across our customer base to kind of look at attitudes towards responsible investing and what themes are important to our customers. Um, and generally, uh, there's you know, risk return still kind of comes out as number one in terms of what's important to them. We're about to rerun that actually to see if any of those attitudes have changed as a result of COVID. So you know, watch this space. But I do think that. That we'll definitely see that, that that's accelerated that, that demand and that trend. Thank you, Adrian. You're at Willisone. You're right, right down there at the cold face with the with the private investor. Um, is this something that, uh, from your point of view and the point of view of Willisone, is this something you're starting to see on the platform? Uh, it's been a, a a small change initially, and I think that's because we started from a very sort of low base. If you look at the IA statistics over the years, it's always been around 1.2% that they, they cover the sort of ethical investing. Um, I think what, what, what we are seeing is, is, a, is a change, and it's not just the younger people, actually. That's the interesting thing. You would assume it was the, the new generation coming in to invest, but it's actually uh, a little bit of signs of older people investing on behalf of their children or grandchildren. So making that conscious decision. Um, and I think a lot of this has been driven by that governance element, because I think if you're an older investor, um, you can you can understand that concept easily. And then it helps introduce the social and environmental and ecological uh, ethical factors that might come in. Um, and then you've got, you know, they, 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 these investors have seen events like, um, I'm trying to think of ones like, like Enron perhaps years ago and, and uh, the VW Dieselgate. Um, what what bad governance does and and actually the 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 impact of being perhaps socially um questionable uh can have on the on a business so yeah we are seeing some change i think it's still early days um but i do expect that that momentum to build thank you and adrian just to take that theme on one step further uh one post-pandemic change that we could see uh, is a sharp reduction in the use of carbon whether that's from short haul flights or more people indeed working from home and is that maybe the um the theme that investors that you talk to are most most conscious of or most anxious to to gain exposure to i i think the effect of uh us all staying at home has been quite profound on the on the weather um and you know we, we've noticed much bluer skies since we've been there so i think that will be interesting to see the question is perhaps have we reached peak oil um, and that's not just a, a from an investor perspective or a consumption personal level it's also from a glo- deglobalization potential um, because obviously 
there was a lot of potential disruption to trade in the early days of this crisis. Um, I think investors will sort of look at that um, carbon aspect. I think they'll look at it as part of other wider issues. I think they'll look at healthcare as a big issue. I think that's going to be a big, big factor actually at this crisis because you look at how people have responded to the NHS, you look at how the government has spoken about it. You know, we it, there's always the underlying thing is, you know, your health is, is more important. Uh, money can buy you many things, but, it, you know, health is, is something absolutely critical. Um, and I think that'll become, that's where things will, people will value a bit more, their own health and, and, and welfare. So I think that's going to be a big, big, big factor. Technology, I think, has already been a big factor and is, you know, for anyone who's worked at home, it's been uh, absolutely essential. Um, and I think things like decarbonisation, uh, I think as an investment theme, it will work. Um, what I'm sort of questioning is perhaps the, the behavioural change that might come later. Thank you, Ellis. And anybody who's had to work with me knows my uh, my ability with my inability with tech is legendary. But even I've managed to to muddle through working at home, so it can't be too bad. And Lorna, is the the theme of um, decarbonisation and lower use of carbon is that something that is central to many of the uh, products that uh, that Royal London have in this market? So I think that there's a piece in terms of you know short-term positioning. Uh, you know we know that airlines have been ha- badly hit, and and how companies are kind of responding to, to these short-term changes will be will be critical, and and that will be reflected in investment analysis that's done as part of your you know active investment decision making. In terms of tactical positioning, um, we we've been underway uh, in airlines uh, across our multi-asset portfolios going into it for various reasons. Um, you know, COVID, again, COVID is something that's just accelerating. But I think, you know, more generally over the longer term, we will see reductions in carbon. The UK is committed to meet net zero carbon by 2050. And, you know, portfolios over time will need to to reflect that and, you know, put in place milestones for how they're going to get there. And that's certainly something we're looking at in terms of, you know, how do we implement a reduction in carbon and and what does that look like? How does that step change happen over over time? It's unlikely to be, you know, a gradual, nice, smooth uh, uh, reduction it's you know you're probably starting to, we will see some kind of step changes so it's just about how, how you manage that and they're preparing for that over the longer term but I probably I think it's also important to remember um, it, you know it's not just about the stocks that you're holding but also about how you're engaged you know your asset managers engaging with the companies that they're holding so you know most of us are investing for a long a long time period and you know economies are made up of more than just tech health care and um, millions of people are employed in the travel aviation energy sector. So you know, this risk of stranded assets and, and failing sectors will have significant impact right across the globe. And I, I think it's important that you understand how your asset managers work in these companies and sectors where possible, you know, to, to help them to progress and adapt to that changing landscape. Um, so, so that there's a kind of short term piece here, uh, but there's a kind of, a sort of general longer term trend that is going to be kicking in. Um, and, you know, how, how how your investments are positioned for that and, and and asking those questions of your asset managers, I think, will be important. Thank you. Lorna, um, a feature of, of recent years has been um, s- certain fund houses, I suppose, and many, many uh, uh, companies trying to talk up their uh, green credentials, if you like, uh, mm-hmm. their commitment to ESG. Do you think that the pandemic has made companies more aware of their responsibilities rather than just the the rhetoric around this and more focus from investors on 
those businesses that really are doing this uh, properly rather than just putting out press releases mentioning it. Yes. So there's kind of two parts to that, the kind of companies that you're investing in and then what, you know, what your asset manager's saying and, and doing and does that, you know, does their does what their actions reflect their rhetoric, I guess. You know, as, as Adrian said, this has been a humanitarian crisis and how companies have responded to it, um, you know, can almost be viewed as a proxy for how they treat their customers' employees. So it'll be interesting to see how much of that feeds through into where people choose to spend their money and how they choose to spend their money going forward. And, you know, social media has played a huge part in kind of shining a light on, on some of that company behaviour and, and calling out areas of bad practice. And, you know, we all hear about these companies now. So um, I think the companies themselves need to be more aware of that. I think they are going to be more aware of that going forward. Um, and, you know, that is about how, how well they're governed and, and how, how they can adapt and, and, and prepare for some for some of these these changes going forward. On the other side, I think you've got the asset managers and, and what they're saying that they're committed to and, and how they look at ESG and, and incorporate that and, you know, do they effectively kind of do what they say on the tin um, and some of that is, you know, asking questions as, you know, about specific stocks, for example, how they voted, how they've been engaging with, with various companies. Um, so I think, it, you know, it's important that, you know, investors who feel strongly about this are able to, to ask those questions of their asset managers and, and, and get the answers that they're looking for. Thank you. Adrian, from from your point of view, I mean, uh, Willis Owen must get... Uh contacted very frequently by fund houses talking up highlighting promoting their products in this space um but i mean do you notice is there a way uh, that a private investor can look at this and and see which ones really are doing what they say on the tin and is that something that uh investors are going to become increasingly aware of the difference between those uh, fund products which just stick uh, stick the word sustainable in the in the fund name to get flows and those who who really do uh, try to invest in that way uh, yeah I think um, it's been a uh, interesting uh, crisis from that perspective because I think what will actually happen is um, a big aspect of it, I think fund management groups will realise that they can't just stick a label on it anymore because the, the consequences of doing so are actually reputationally quite damaging to the business if you're not living and breathing and stuff. Um, from our perspective, um, when when we're sort of mentioning funds uh, to clients and, and uh, sort of tipping our fund ideas, the, the ESG factor is a, a fundamental part of the overall assessment of that fund. Um, so for us, the... The greenwashing has been an issue and I think it's being addressed by analysts in the industry because what they're doing is integrating this into their research process. So it becomes harder for fund uh, fund groups and fund managers to actually pay lip service to it. Um, there's still a lot of work to go and still a lot of learning um, how far you go down the road and how how much analysis is done um, of a company you know is it if it's um in manufacturing there's a term called cradle to gate and cradle to cradle um cradle to gate is to the manufacturing gate and then cradle to cradle is the life the whole life of the product from from manufacturing to yeah being on the skip um and it's just how much you actually analyze that what are you actually analyzing that analysts look at when they're speaking to the fund managers how much detail you go to now either either is perfectly respectable and fine as long as you're clear and candid about it uh, from an investor perspective i still think there's a lot of confusion in the terminology you've got some responsible sustainable ethical environmental 
um, all of that stuff. Uh, and I think that the terminology can be a bit confusing. And I think that's where we we need to come in and, and we are coming in and stepping in and helping as an industry to make that clearer, um, to help them understand what is, what's available and help them find what they're looking for as well. Because some people want very ethical stuff. Some people want a more responsible, socially conscious type approach. Thank you, Adrian. And Lorna and Adrian, thank you both for joining us today. Tune in next time for the next in our special series of podcasts on responsible investing. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.